0: Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for the Pulse. How's it going, Miles?
1: It's going good, Andrew.
0: How are you doing? I'm doing well. It is a lovely day outside and there is uh, some highway construction that's that's going on just south of me. So, it's uh, it's officially highway season again. Uh, and uh, I can see it right out my window. So, this is pretty exciting, Miles. What do you know about the the highway projects that are going on?
1: Yeah, you got one between city of sturgeon bay and uh up to baileys harbor going on right now well over the course of the next few weeks then you got one in north of sister bay up to liberty like well into liberty grove and then you got i mean on top of those you have the kind of that they're still working on that exit down in green bay by the tower drive bridge for people who come up to door county i've gone back and forth a couple times recently and had to take pretty Um, lengthy detours, because I didn't know that I keep forgetting that that exit is closed. But um, yeah, so there's a little impediment to getting up here right now. But I think but down by you, it's just like one lane flagging operations kind of thing, right? Right. And that's, that's, I think what
0: it's planning on being for a while, at least. Hopefully, they don't close the road in front of my house. And then I'm stuck here. Then again, it's not like I haven't learned how to work from home lately. So might not be that bad. You know, with all of the different projects that are happening right now, uh, it's a wonder that we haven't constructed that, like, center of the peninsula highway that'll just take us straight through and avoid the coastal roads at this point. Might be nice (laughs) for a time like now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there are some proponents for it, but, like, you know, we always have 42 if we need to get away from 57 or 57 if we need to get away from 42. That's true, although you're going to experience a little bit
0: of stuff on both sides right now, depending on where you're going, Mm -hmm. so... Maybe you can combine the two of them and use both. (laughs) So, Miles, we have some interesting stuff to talk about this week. I
1: think the biggest story, maybe we should jump into it right away, is the Alpine has sold. Yeah, um, much anticipated, much much anxiety-inducing sale of Alpine Resort. I mean, we've all been wondering what's going to happen with that property for a couple of years.
0: Right. I know that uh, when... When it first went up for sale, we had some conversations with Bill Birchinger. I know that you've had more now that the sale is going through, uh, but kind of kind of wild to think that the Alpine is going to be operated by someone other than a Birchinger for the first time in, what is it, 100 years at this point?
1: Yeah, and the, you know, the resort opened in 1922, construction began in 1921, but the Birchinger family actually has owned the property since 1914. And that's when they first started developing the plans for a resort there. So that's really the, that resort is the one that made Egg Harbor a tourist town. And it still took many years for that to develop. And it's still very much the same as it was way back then. I mean, that the same old lodge, the cabins, um, obviously vacationing has changed a great deal since then, but you step into the Alpine resort and, you know, if, if anyone, goes, anyone goes down there, they either feel like, it's a bit of a time warp or it's like stepping into the movie, dirty dancing. Um, and you can see why. I mean, it, it really is just a, um, a time capsule in many ways.
0: Well, and I suppose that there's some good news and some bad news then on that note. Right. So, you know, as you mentioned, it's kind of a, a tradition for people and it's, you know, it's been a huge love of people for a long time. So I'm sure people are going to be happy to know what the plans are moving forward. Right. But it, is some of that historic charm going to change? Do you think with those new plans?
1: Well, it's, it's tough to say right now, the indications that I've received, I have not talked to the new owner and, um, they're, they're playing that a little tight to the vest, but they, the people I have talked to, including Jacinda Duffin, who was part of the real estate agent, who was part of the sale. Um, said that his plans are to invest in the lodge and invest in the golf course at a minimum. Uh, the cabins, it sounds like that remains to be seen yet. I think there are 30 cabins on that property, but he wants to keep the lodge going and the restaurant going and enhance it. And, um, from what, uh, Bill Burchinger told me this morning, the buyer is somebody who has vacationed at the Alpine before and has golfed on that course before and has ties to that property. And it sounds like, um, you know, it's early and a lot of people talk a good game. So I, I remain somewhat skeptical, but All indications that I've received are that this is somebody who wants to do um, some things that that honor the history on it and and preserve what they can and keep that lodge going, which is phenomenal news for anybody who cares about that property or has a history of either visiting there or um, eating there or just breaking into the property like like I did as a child. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of a best case scenario,
0: too, in terms of, you know, reopening the golf course, but then also maybe updating the rooms and that kind of thing. And if it keeps that kind of that charm, but maybe, you know, renovates or upgrades the actual rooms, I feel like that could be a, a win-win for everybody.
1: Yeah, it could be. It could be great for the village um, and for the county. Uh, You know, we're up the road. We're losing the little sister resort, which has also operated for nearly a century up in sister Bay in a very similar manner. You know, they had 20 some cabins on that property. It was kind of like that old old kind of vacation, um, aesthetic. And to to know that at least some sense of that is going to remain at Alpine is a, a big relief to me. It's sort of like what happened with the Gordon lodge. Um, probably well before your time up here, Andrew, but 10 or 15 years ago where, um, that was an aging resort. A big sprawling compound and somebody came in and kind of sunk a lot of money into it and revived it and gave it sort of a, you know, it maintains a lot of what it once was, but enhanced in a lot of ways. So talking to Bill Bertinger this morning by phone, you know, he, he's definitely not happy to sell. Bill has worked on that property. I mean, he's been on that property nearly every day of his life, except for a couple of years in serving in the Korean war. And he is 92 years old, has worked for 80 of those years on that property, which has got to be one of the longest tenures in the history of the world at a single job. Um, and he really does still work. He is not a 92 year old man who is a figurehead. Like he likes to work. He calls himself a workaholic. He said when he goes on vacation for his whole life, he goes on vacation and, and he just wants to get back home and get back to work. So it must've been a, a, a fun guy to go on vacation with then. But um you know, he likes working the grounds. He likes keeping the golf course up and, and working on that property. And his his dad and his uncle started it. And, you know, there's a lot of emotional ties there. So it's it's got to be difficult for him and his daughters who have kind of taken over the reins over the last 25, 30 years to know that it's, it's leaving the family. But it's a heck of a run. I mean, I was in business with a, a sibling for just eight years and it's tough to do. So to keep a family business together, especially as it grows and new generations come in and you, you start to get to a point where you have 20, 25 owners, um, to make it as long as they did is pretty remarkable. Yeah. I think that that story is phenomenal. Just the, that
0: there is no better pinnacle when it comes to like family business. You know what I mean? When you really, when you think about a family business, Alpine is one that kind of stands at the top and uh, it'll be interesting to see the next phase of it sad in a lot of ways. Uh, But at the same time, I think that Bill has done a really great job of, you know, archiving that history. And I hope that that, remains part of the experience moving forward. But I'm also excited to see what the Alpine looks like in a couple of years. What can people look forward to right away? Do they have any dates for even the golf course?
1: Yeah, they're looking to have the golf course reopened by Memorial Day weekend. They've already started work on the clubhouse there, um, made some investments, ordered new clubs for rent, um, done some substantial grooming, and looks like they're making enhancements to the greens and the, the grounds themselves already. So um, you know, it, at, at least the course will be open again. Last year it was closed due to COVID, but Bill still worked it and kept it up and kept the groundskeepers there to not let it get overgrown. So, you know, the golf course will be open, you'll have a new clubhouse to look forward to, and then I'm sure we're going to see things start happening on that property. I do know the village is still waiting to hear on a Knowles-Nelson grant for a portion of that property that that they were going to purchase. Um, Basically, if you know where the Alpine Dock is, what used to be basically the, the Egg Harbor Beach, that is the village is trying to purchase up to that portion um, to expand its existing beach and then expand a little parking there as well. So a lot of cool things could be happening down there. And there's also that idea, and I have no indication of where the new owner will stand on this, but there has been that plan to ideally create a kind of a park-to-park path between the Egg Harbor Beach and um, Frank Murphy County Park. It's a, down by Horseshoe Bay Farms. And, you know, hopefully that still is a possibility and, and happens sometimes in the near future. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out.
0: Speaking of resorts, uh, have you heard anything recently about what's going on at Little
1: Sister Resort? I've heard more than I'd, I'd like sometimes. Um, <laughs> the as, as the listeners will remember Little Sister Resort and Fred and Fuzzy's restaurant uh, was sold to Lance and Bridget Crane last year. They bought the property to put up their dream house and then to do so they they needed to rezone it at the time and the village didn't want to rezone it from commercial. That was denied so then to do this they, they proposed residential condominiums there. So they would build their house and then have residential condominiums on the landward side and then a couple on the water side and that was that is something they can do but it has to be done through a conditional use permit the village slapped a bunch of conditions on them back in february things like making the bat the existing bathrooms from from fred and fuzzies available to the public assisting in paying for a ada accessible walkway down to the water on the the pebble beach part of a, a property and other enhancements to like fixing up the road and things like that that might get damaged due to construction. There's a long list of them. Um, last week, after bouncing back and forth with a couple of meetings with the village, the representatives for the cranes, their attorneys, said that they don't intend to accept any of those conditions and that framed them all as illegal under Wisconsin act 67, which greatly limited the number the types of reasons that a village can deny a proposal based on conditional use law. Um, And now we're waiting to see how that plays out. Does this end up in court? When when the Cranes brought attorneys to the meeting, the village basically decided we needed to table this issue because they did not have their attorneys at the meeting. So they didn't want to interact with them without legal representation at the meeting. And now we wait and see what's next. Um, It is interesting, like when the When they first came with this proposal, they indicated a desire to work with the village and, you know, potentially work on some of the things that the village ended up asking for, Uh, talking about keeping the bathrooms and having a walkway down to the water. It's interesting that they can't come to some negotiation in the meantime, short of attorneys involved. Right. And I, I know that there are a lot of people in the village who are very interested in what happens to some of the buildings there. Like at the very first meeting when this proposal came up last year, Denise Berto had, I believe she was acting as the village president at the time. I can't remember if this was before or after Dave Linau had stepped down, but Denise Berto had said she was very interested in trying to save whatever they could and move those buildings off the property and the barn off the property. Um, But to date, it seems like, they have started demoing the boathouse that was long there on the pier next to friend fuzzies that was completely demolished earlier this week um much to the, the dismay of a lot of people but it, it does appear that mm-hmm. that is something they were allowed to do even though it wasn't in the original plan i don't believe but um they also there are many people in interested in the cabins on that property and potentially moving them to another property but to Several folks that I've talked to have kind of run into um, some walls there, even trying to find out who to talk to, to initiate that process. So there's hope. Right. There's still hope. There's a lot of people who are interested in getting those cabins for potentially seasonal housing or just to put them on their property for um, expansion of existing homes and maybe rental properties. Yeah, it-
0: it's interesting. Every time that we talk about developments or or zoning or anything like that, I feel like I'm learning so much because it's something that I had absolutely no background in before I started doing the podcast with you, and now I feel like I'm getting a crash course. And it seems like every week we're we're talking about some new exciting thing that I didn't know about.
1: Um, I, I don't know if exciting. Again, I, I don't know if exciting is the right word there.
0: <laughs> exciting is a great word because it doesn't necessarily mean good, right? Like, if you're excited about something, that means you're, you've are you got feelings of, like, happy, looking forward to kind of things. But to say that something is exciting, it's not necessarily always a good
1: thing, right? Thunderstorms are exciting, but
0: they can also be damaging.
1: I've just never heard anyone call zoning exciting in any way. But good for you. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, it's uh, I,
0: I'll, I'll become a zoning nerd slowly but surely.
1: <laughs> I mean, it is, you know, you say, say it's something you didn't know anything about. I mean, I've been covering a lot of zoning stuff for 15 years and I still don't know. And people ask me all the time because they're like, well, you've done, you've covered this. What what are they allowed to do? And, and it is so, there are so many layers to any of these debates, like some of this stuff because it's shoreline is governed and influenced by DNR rules, which are not set by the local municipality. Some will be set or influenced by county regulations and zoning rules, um, different statutes at the state level and some is just like local ordinance so there's so many layers on any project that um, this same project in the town of gibraltar or the village of egg harbor is a much different conversation than in sister bay or liberty grove or washington island so it's even as somebody who covers this stuff constantly it is a juggling act in my head to even try and write about it with any sort of clarity, let alone talk about it and explain it to you <laughs> or anybody else. Right. But I appreciate that are, you're excited are, about it.
0: <laughs> yes, I am. Let's use that word exciting again, right? Because there is a potential affordable housing project that's going on in Sister Bay, right? With a, with a WIDA housing grant. That would be exciting,
1: right? That is exciting. Um, I will say that wholeheartedly. This uh, proposal in Sister Bay, um, Marissa Downs, I've spoken to her a couple of times. She brought this forward in November. And the idea is to build 45 affordable housing units near the Northern Door Children's Center. And the way they make them affordable is you get um, federal tax credits to keep these in the affordable stock. So basically, you cannot rent them for beyond a certain price point. But it's, It doesn't mean that anybody possibly could get cheap housing. It means that if you make under a certain income level, you would be eligible for, for some of these units. So they have nine units that would be reserved for people who make um, 30% of the median door County income. And then 18 would go up to 60% of the median door County income. And then another 18 would be for people who make up to 80% of the median door County income. So, a big boost for people who make, um, you know, it, it. And it's it's staggered, so that that median income level and that or that that income limit is different for somebody with uh, a husband and two kids than for a single individual. But they're all eligible, depending on your income level. So that would fill a big a big gap. Um, probably pertains more to a lot of the senior population than than others, but maybe maybe it could help a lot of others. They've they've adjusted that program. It used to be capped at sixty percent of the median income and they bumped it up to eighty percent. And that should make a somewhat larger chunk eligible for housing in those units.
0: Yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about for like the elderly demographic for this. Because when I think affordable housing, I always think about young families or teachers, those types of people. But affordable housing is really important for elderly people as well, right? Walk me through that.
1: Well, you know, elderly excuse me, elderly folks are often on a fixed income, usually um, tied to their Social Security income. Some of them work part-time jobs. Some of them have investment income, but a lot just have Social Security and maybe a part-time job, and probably that's that's not a very huge income. So if you are making social security and say that's bringing in 18 to 25,000 a year or something like that, um, plus some miscellaneous income, you can't afford any of the rental units that are available up in Northern Door County, even if, well, I shouldn't even say available, that exist in Northern Door County, let alone if they are available for rent, and which there very rarely are. And then the market rate in Northern Door County would be anywhere from $1,100 a month for a one bedroom apartment. To $1,300 a month. And making that kind of wage, you're, you, you basically have to be making in excess of $40,000 a year without other debt to be able to afford that. Um, so most seniors could not. So I talked to some folks at a similar project, uh, a smaller 20, I think it's a 20-unit project in Sister Bay. And I was surprised to learn that it was predominantly... Um, used by seniors as well, just like you, I thought affordable housing, young people, young families, working class, but most of their renters are seniors who are desperate for, to find housing.
0: You know, it's funny that you you talk about affordable housing and finding a unit, you know, when you mentioned things that are even just available. And then we just talked about Little Sister Resort. And those cabins, right, trying to find out what to do with those. It seems like there might be a connection there or a potential there.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't take a lot of real deep thinking, right? I mean, if you have those cabins, and especially right now with construction costs being as high as they are to build new, um, you know, potentially moving a cabin off the Little Sister Resort property for $10,000 or so, that might be able to, at the very least, serve as seasonal housing. Um, if you're talking 20, 25 cabins, if you put two people in a cabin, that's, that's 50 seasonal housing beds potentially in Northern Door County, if you find a home for each of those. So, um, you know, there are, and that's what a lot of people that that I've spoken to, um, are interested in. A lot of people look at older places and just think, well, they're teardowns and it's a weird mindset. Like I I lived in a place that most people would have called, I grew up in a place that most people would have called a teardown, um that house is still standing my dad still lives there so what we can find ways to reuse those things i mean it's sustainable it's it solves a housing problem and it's cheaper than building new so might be uh might be a solution there to a couple of problems yeah
0: the the very first time you and ever you and i ever talked about affordable housing you made it clear to me that the the problem up here is not solvable in one way right it's going to take a patchwork of different solutions to get us to move forward and it's that sort of creative thinking, I think, that is key to all of this, right? Like, it, it it's not going to be a thing where we find a couple blanket solutions to get us to the next step. It's going to be finding things that, that people didn't even think about before or looking to other places that have solved similar problems and seeing the different ways that they came up with it. Because affordable housing doesn't get fixed by the same thing in every area. That's a really so good point. This is, This is just going to be another case where it's a combination of different things that all look different or might look strange from the outset that actually make a lot of sense once you start digging into them.
1: Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, like if I were a seasonal, like potential college student looking for a summer job and I was evaluating some cookie cutter, suburban looking or, um, you know, mass constructed dorm room versus these cool cabins i think i'd like the place that could offer me these cool cabins to stay in <laughs> so
0: yeah i would probably agree i mean i already if i'm a college student i'm already spending most of my time in a dorm room anyway
1: yeah so change
0: of scene probably counts for a lot well miles is there anything else this week that we need to chat about as we are moving forward into the summer i feel like we just had spring and summer is already around the corner
1: yeah. I mean, as, as you know, from handling the, the arts and entertainment section, I mean, things are starting to open up again. Um, you know, we're a couple of weeks away from doing our new business issue and that's, that's going to be a big one. There's so many new places popping up in every town that, that you walk around in. Um, you know, Egg Harbor talking about development pressures and, and the Alpine. Um, in one sense, while the Alpine is selling and hopefully maintaining some of that historic charm, the village itself is grappling with that in- immense development pressure and some of it brought on by actions of the village itself. So you have shipwrecked still fighting to, um, build a, a much larger restaurant and with reduced parking, you have Casey's, uh, is adding a back patio and covered porch and their space. And if you've driven by Casey's, they don't have much parking either. Um, And then one barrel has added another patio on the backside of that. It remains to be seen what that is going to be used for. So you have even more growth and development there. And if you drive around Egg Harbor, there's um, more vacation rental properties and and housing being built all the time in that um, small town. So it's going to be interesting how they manage that, um, especially as they grapple with the parking issues and trying to be equitable to all the different businesses in that village. Right. And you know, Miles, I I can think of
0: one solution, especially for a place like Egg Harbor, where you're like, where are you going to fit all these cars? Uh, And I I think it comes down to a little game called Fortnite. Miles, have you ever played Fortnite?
1: No, I have not. But uh, my nieces and nephews all love it.
0: All right, well, follow me here. Every round of Fortnite begins with you parachuting out of a bus in the sky. So I'm thinking we just drop people off via parachute, they can just float all the way down, land right in their outdoor seating outside of one barrel or hatch, and they can get their food, enjoy themselves. There's no parking to worry about at all. You just gotta fold the parachute back up and you're good to go. And then we'll, we'll figure out where to get them you know, next after that. But at least we solved the problem of where they're gonna park.
1: Andrew, you think that sounds crazy? But that actually is a much more realistic solution than what the village is taking <laughs> taking a stance on today. So you you should go to the village and present this. It's it's pl- uh, it's plausible.
0: <laughs> all right, I'm gonna swing open the double doors. And I'm gonna say, stop everything right now. Have you heard of Fortnite? <laughs> yes. And then, all right. <laughs> Well, Miles, I think that that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for chatting with me, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thanks, Andrew. Great catching up again. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at the Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.